You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back from your weekend. I hope it was a good one. We have a fun show as we cross over in the Locked On Network with the Locked On Jaguars host in today's show. Hello, everybody. I'm your Locked On Texans host, Robert Land, with the Houston Sports Talk podcast alongside Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Welcome back to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're part of the FanRag Sports Network. You are about to hear the first of a two-part podcast on the Jaguars offseason. A great conversation we had with the Locked On Jaguars host, just getting their thoughts on our offseason, what they thought we did. We're here with the Texans, including our signing of ex-Jaguar Aaron Colvin. Without further ado, let me play the first part for you. You'll hear the second part in tomorrow's Locked On Texans. Time for a Locked On crossover. Robert Land and Brian Patterson with Locked On Texans. And joining us for this one in the crossover, Locked On Jags host Chris Thornton and Zach Goodall. Hey, great to talk with you guys. You guys enjoying the offseason? You know, it's been uh, so far so good. Surprisingly active here in Jacksonville. I didn't really expect the team to be as big of spenders in free agency as they were. But, you know, where there's money, there's a lot of excitement in the NFL. So the Jaguars made this a lot more exciting than I expected. And I guess we could say the same about the Texans, especially in, I'm sure, the first thing you guys want to talk about being Aaron Colvin. Yeah, I mean, Colvin, the big story for the Texans in the early part of free agency. And it's real interesting because, you know, A.J. Boyer goes from the Texans to the Jags in free agency last year, which totally sets up this offseason for Colvin to move back over here. Uh, so everybody in Houston wondering what Jags nation thought of Colvin leaving and, and what the Texans are getting with him. You're getting a great player. You're getting somebody that when he was coming out of college out of Oklahoma was coveted as a first round pick, but ended up tearing that ACL and dropping him to the fourth round. He comes in and is a starting corner for a few years in a really, really bad era of Jags football, where it was just abysmal defensively. So he was kind of a little dim, a little light of hope. And that bright and that uh, defense, and then of course with the emergence of Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye, kind of gets pushed to the third uh, level of the defense, kind of cornerback, not on the field or uh, nickel, I should say. Uh, but no, you guys are getting a really good player. Uh, I I've met him a few times and was a pretty down to earth guy for me. Yeah, I um I look at um, Colvin leaving Jacksonville as a good thing for both sides in a way. I think Colvin's a really good player who was actually schematically held back here. Naturally, he was also held back by the fact that Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye were ahead of him. But that being besides the point, once he got push, uh, pushed into the nickel corner position, he saw his snaps go down. I think it was around 60 to 70 percent of the defensive snaps last year for that role. And the Jaguars do primarily run a cover three defense. So not only are Col were Colvin's snaps um, pushed down a little bit, but his his role was essentially to cover the flats and set the edge against the run. So I think it kind of held back like what he had to offer because he's an athletic guy. He is a 
thorough tackler. He's a physical kind of corner. He's not going to let you run by him. He's going to try and make a play despite his lack of turnovers and true playmaking, like, you know, stats on the um, stat sheet and in the box score. I think there's a lot of potential to be untapped there. Uh, I think the ability to play outside is there. He's got decent frame. He should be able to handle just fine. So I think going somewhere, despite it being a division rival, actually, really opens up a lot more for Colvin. And in return, the Jaguars don't have to overpay for a position that doesn't really require being that heavily paid. What did you think of him, uh, his replacement that the Jags picked up, DJ Hayden? I figured they could have just drafted someone and been totally fine, even if it's a guy that's more of a boundary corner. Um, you can just kind of plug and play them there and then maybe eventually, or whether it be a safety even. It's such, I view it as, honestly, probably the 10th or 11th least important um, role on the defense. Not to say that it's not important because naturally every role on that defense is, but if you had to make a list, it's pretty low there, which again is the reason why I think Colvin was being held back a little bit. I think they could have drafted someone and been fine. I do also think Hayden's kind of a stopgap and that they'll draft another guy or still try and bring someone along like a Jalen Myrick or a Tyler Patman to eventually fill in that spot and have him be a lot cheaper than what they're paying Hayden. Um, but I mean, since it's such an easy role, I figure despite Hayden having kind of a disappointing career, he should be able to do just fine in the role that he's playing. I would think a big concern with you guys is the fact that, you know, you're losing uh, Robinson and Hearns and Mercedes Lewis, all these guys, and and you've added Austin Safarian Jenkins. But uh, do you feel like with all, all of these moves, is, is this a bad thing for Blake Bortles? Because could this set him back or the addition of Norwell and the other things? Like, what's your general impression of uh, how they've handled free agency so far? Well, Chris, going back <laughs> to before he started with Locked On, he had his own little site where he talked about future Jaguars free agency moves. And priority number one on his list, this was like last August, was to go get Andrew Norwell. So I'm going to let him handle this because he this is right up his alley. I can tell you that in the first day of tampering, when I woke up at 8 a.m. and I saw that there was a notification on my phone that said that the Jaguars have agreed to a deal with Andrew Norwell, I hopped out of bed like a kid on Christmas morning and ran out to my living room where Zach was. He had just uh, spent the night. We were uh, just having like a little party and stuff. And I like wake him up. I'm like, we got Norwell. And I was honestly so ecstatic for that because I know how good of a player he is. And uh, just to bolster that guard position, which I didn't think they would do. Did anybody leave milk and cookies for you uh, when you ran out to the living room or was that? Uh, no, it was just it was just Zach on my couch. So I mean, I, I will, it would have been I, nice if he had milk and cookies. I woke up. I, I, I called him a bold faced liar right to his face. I didn't believe it for a second until I looked out on my phone and then I jumped up and I'm not old enough to pop a bottle of champagne, but <laughs> if there was a bottle of champagne, I would have popped it anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, sounds like Christmas morning. That's the 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 milk. If anybody doesn't realize that was the milk and cookies reference, but yeah, that that's what it sounded like there. <laughs> yeah, good old Saint Nick. I definitely <laughs> used some cookies, but I mean, I think that was just good enough for me. <laughs> what what about what Bortles is left with now? Actually, I'll let I'll let you take over this one because this guy he was kind of your guy late into the free agency surge in Moncrief. Well, um, I think the Moncrief signing is a really good flyer. Um, there is an injury history. I think the positives to take away from this injury history is that they aren't necessarily nagging. Like he had a couple of tweaks with, I think it was his shoulder two years ago, but then it's not like he continually, uh, continually had a shoulder problem. It was next in an ankle. So although 
obviously missing. I think what I think he's played 21 games in the past two seasons. Like since it's not a repeated shoulder injury or repeated ankle injury, I think there's a little hope for it because the talent is there for him to be a playmaker, not on the level of what we knew Allen Robinson was um, when he was healthy here in Jacksonville. But I think there's definitely some potential there. I do think that this kind of reiterates their idea of we really want to run the ball. And that's why they ended up bringing back Bortles. Um, People are starting to say that they think uh, quarterback could be in play at the 29th pick. I don't really believe it at this point. I think with the moves that they made in bringing him back, they're confident that they can win with him being kind of a placeholder and literally running the ball as often as they can. I look at Doug Marone's quote from last offseason saying he wants Blake to throw the ball zero times a game, not as much of a slight to Blake as we used to think, and more of they literally only want to run the ball. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I think Moncrief will give them a solid option, as well as Austin Safarian Jenkins, in terms of reliable guys that you know will come down with the ball as possession guys, nothing too flashy but guys that they can trust to run simple routes and have a simple passing game and really try and rely on running the ball. Brian, there's a certain tight end we want to ask them about, right? Because uh, we're, we're kind of interested over uh, on this side of the uh, AFC South. Yeah, yeah, Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind having him here. You know, I thought that, you know, because last time we talked to Zach, you know, yeah, I was thinking, you know, they're going to get a statue ready for him, putting it right out front of uh, <laughs> <laughs> right in front of the state Everbank Field and, you know, a ceremony and everything. And there you go. He gets cut like that. You know, I'm pretty sure if there's a ring of honor, you guys are going to start pretty soon. If you guys haven't already, he will be in there. But um, I, I would consider signing uh, Mercedes Lewis at least for two years because I think he's still got a lot left in him. I wouldn't mind having him here in Houston. I've been a big fan of him. I think he definitely has something left in him. Yeah. Last year was um definitely flashy in terms of him as a receiver because he hasn't been used as a receiver like he was last year in several mm-hmm. years. The blocking is still there. So if you're trying to add a blocking tight end and you're not looking to pay someone too much money, I mean, there's not a ton of options left at this point, but he would definitely be option number one. Um, there's still some ability to get open in the middle of the field, someone that um, can really be used as a check down type of option for Deshaun Watson. Um, I think he's also a veteran that you might want on that offense because it's being led by a really young guy. Um, you know, I, fan, I, the fan in me is really upset with the Lewis cut because his option was just picked up and he seems to feel like he was done dirty because he had just it just came out of nowhere that he was getting cut. I thought he'd be back for at least another year. So the fan in me wants to see him succeed uh, as much as I wouldn't want it to be for a rival. I'd also totally get if he went to a rival and wanted to play the Jags twice a year, I think that it'd actually be pretty funny, but you would be getting a good player and you'd be getting a really great veteran. If the Houston Texans were to go after him and sign him. And I think you would be able to, uh, I think he would, serve as a decent I mean you have D hop on the outside but also kind of in the red zone because he still has that size and that's where I mean in that London game I feel like a lot of his touchdowns were kind of go up get it kind of near the red zone so if you need a blocking tight end or maybe he blocks for a few yards and then goes out for a quick pass in the red zone I think that's where he might excel if you were to go to Houston was it just a matter of dumping a little bit of money why they went from Lewis to, to Safari and Jenkins? What, what was the reasoning behind that? I mean, Zach said, Zach kind of alluded to them wanting to run the ball more, but I almost feel like this is a move that they might want to kind of pass the ball more, kind of move from that 
almost a pure blocker at this point in his career to more of a passing threat in Austin Safarian Jenkins, plus getting younger. I think they kind of want to, I feel like he dropped the whole age of the team by two years on the average. Uh, <laughs> by getting rid of so it'll I be interesting about that part. I, um, I do agree with Chris on the passing game aspect of it in a way is where I don't, I think they're trying to run the ball just as much as I had said before, but I think they're trying to change their tight end role because these receivers that they're bringing in are more possession guys. They're not these flashy besides. I do think Moncrief can be, I still think as a whole, their core is a lot more just possession guys rather than the Allen Robinson, 50, 50, truly dynamic guy. I do think they want to build more of a receiving tight end though, in which case, whether that be kind of a distraction or something like that. And that's where I view Mike Jacecki out of Penn state as a potential target at 29, um, the way I look at it is I think Lewis was the backup option and that's why they picked up his option just about a month ago because it, it was such a cheap, I think 3.75 million with only 250,000 guaranteed. Um, I think their plan was to go after ASJ as well as Niles Paul, who's going to be used more as a special teamer, but has the ability to play in the offense. But if they didn't get one or two of those guys, they would have probably kept Lewis. But since they had the flexibility to, they figured at least get younger and probably a little more athletic at the position. Do you guys think that you'll be drafting a quarterback, not necessarily at 29, but sometime this draft? I do. I am a firm believer that it won't happen at 29. However, I'm all for it. If it, if they do it, go ahead. Like that's, I don't know exactly like what the glaring needs are at this point. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, I think it happens before day two is over. I think Mason Rudolph is going to be a guy they're very, very much interested in. Uh, I don't know if he's going top 20 or if he's going round three. No one seems to have a true, like, where is he going, like, projection as to where he'll be. But if he falls into the second round, because the Jaguars do still have seven picks in this draft, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded up somewhere early in the second round for him. And you think Mason Rudolph fits best with the scheme that Blake Bortles and the rest of the offense runs. That's why you like him. Is that correct? Exactly. I um, I don't think his arm is powerful, but he's an accurate quarterback who I think he ran a simple scheme at Oklahoma State. But then again, the Jaguars run a simple West Coast style type of passing offense where he's just got to make accurate reads to the middle of the field. He doesn't need to test his arm strength to the outside. The occasional deep ball, which he can do, um, I think it's the perfect fit for a guy like Rudolph who might need to come sit for a little bit. It's the right type of scheme, run the ball, make accurate reads. And from what I know, the team, I think, visited Oklahoma State four or five times this past year. He fits, you know, he checks off on the Parcells QB checklist. Um, you're, I'd have to run back through the details again. But Coughlin, in his per, I think it was in his autobiography or something of the sort, wrote about how he, that's how he scouts quarterbacks. He likes to have those guys check off the Parcells checklist, being a senior, being 6'5", start winning however many games, starting however many games. And Rudolph checks off all those boxes and – they seem to have the interest in him, and I think he is a pretty solid scheme fit. If you're the GM, what is your most glaring need right now? To, to you're, you're a very good team. You got to the AFC Championship, but what can you improve on? Chris, what are you thinking? That is a question that I've been. They played this. <laughs> they played this free agency so well that they got just high enough tier guys to fill almost every hole. To where at 29, they could literally go wherever they want. They can go best available. I still think they need to 
my it's not flashy, but I would really like them to get another guard just to just to finish off the O line and have five really good starters. That way you can run the ball, or if you bring in a rookie quarterback, he has a line to stay protected behind. I think my top two would probably go guard or tight end. I'm the same way. I even though they did sign Jenkins and Paul, I think they're looking for that big slot type of guy. Because when they cut Alan Hearns, Hearns got, I think, 72% of his snaps were in the slot. And, I mean, he's a pretty big receiver. I think he's at 6'3", 200, something like that. Yeah, so they're missing. identical to Alan Robinson, actually. Yeah. And I think that they're going to end up missing that kind of, you know, really athletic guy that maybe they can just trust Blake to throw the ball up to in Alan Robinson. So replacing Robinson's skill set and Hearns' role all in one with that type of, you know, I'm not going to go ahead and say Mike Jacecki or Mark Andrews or Dallas Goder are definitely the next Rob Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham, but those are the type of guys that I would compare Jacecki's style of play to, that big slot kind of role that you can move them all around the offense. So I'd say even though Jenkins was a good value signing, I think they're still missing that true big slot, and that's a guy that you could get in Jacecki or go ahead and get that right guard and literally run the ball every single play. <laughs> True. And you guys, I guess from what you're saying is you're not too trusting right now of AJ can with his performance. Not really. I've seen yeah. growth just a little bit in this past year. I think the whole offensive line took a big step this year. Um, but I'd say he's definitely the weakest uh, link of the chain at this point. So why not go ahead and just, bolster that offensive line as much as you can. I think that was one of their biggest issues this year that you saw with Fournette because people look at his yards per carry and think, oh, this, you know, maybe he really wasn't that good. But there were so many times where he's getting hit at or behind the line and still ended up pounding for even if it's two or three yards just from pushing guys over when he was fully healthy, of course. But if you have that interior offensive line completely redone with some guys that can truly play in power, then you're going to have see a lot of growth out of Fournette. Let me get an outsider's perspective from you guys. Uh, what did you think when you saw the Texans moves and some of the stuff that they were doing? Chris, I'll let you go ahead and handle that. Um, other than me saying, I really, I'll reiterate, I really do like the Colvin signing for you guys. And I really do hope that he gets a chance to thrive outside. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to really be the biggest takeaway from all of this is Colvin because after losing Boye, I, I can say I didn't really watch the Texans a whole lot, but I feel like corner was probably one of your guys' stronger needs after losing Boye. If, uh, if that's wrong, obviously correct me, but from what I saw, that definitely seemed to be the first one. But, I mean, the Texans were a team that if Deshaun didn't get hurt last year, I genuinely thought you guys would have competed for the division. I would have. I went back and looked at the schedule and saw that you guys probably could have had at least four more wins. If uh, Deshaun is healthy, maybe even five, depending on how Jags Texans would have shaken out, uh, which would have put you guys right at nine wins, which would have put you in. But I mean, at least you guys made more moves than the Colts did. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Colts, these days. I mean, I I did more moves than the Colts did. I mean, <laughs> it's just. I mean, yeah. On your couch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also. I hope that this can turn into more than a one-year $7 million deal because I really like yeah. Terry and Matthew. But I also thought that was a great 
it almost seems under the radar move. Like everyone like was paying attention to it, but at the same time coming in and getting him for a $7 million deal on one year, it almost seems like a steal of a prove it deal. Really? He wanted, I mean, he, he was offered more money. He decided to come here because it was the best fit. But the crazy thing is uh, the new Orleans saints were interested in him. So I'm wondering why he didn't accept. And what I really felt, and I talked about this with Rob uh, last week that, you know, the same influences that got him into trouble in the first place, you know, he would be right back in the midst of that. And temptation is, you know, that's that's a crazy thing. So it's good that he is close to home, but just far enough to kind of stay away from those elements. Maybe that factor into his decision. I hate to compare anyone to this guy yeah. because, I mean, it's it, it's still such a sad story. But yeah. we saw that with Aaron Hernandez. I mean, mm-hmm. I... I actually, I, I, a couple months ago, I was working a sales job and one mm-hmm. of the guys I was working with was Aaron Hernandez's quarterback when he was in high school, just outside of Bristol. And yeah. Yeah. he told me straight up, like going to new England was the absolute worst place. Aaron Hernandez could have gone because he was just right back there with the people, the gangs that were influencing yeah. his life in high school. And they true he truly believed because he had gotten to know Aaron in his time in high school and playing with him, obviously didn't know him much more after that. But he truly believed that if there was if he had gone anywhere but New England, he'd be alive and playing football today. So that's definitely something to think about. I hate to disagree with you guys on this, but uh, I, I will say that uh, I don't know if cornerback was the, the biggest need going back to what you said uh, earlier. I think uh, the biggest need for the Texans was right tackle left tackle, right guard, <laughs> yeah, left yeah, guard. Yeah, I can see that. You guys, you guys were on Everything like – Everything except for center, Rob. Everything except for center. You guys missed it out on Nate Solder, uh, I feel like, hurt. But I tell you what, you guys did get a guy who's kind of feisty yeah. in the honey badger. So that was uh, yeah. that was fun. I um, I do think that this is a deep enough interior offensive line class where if Houston doesn't move up, they should still be able to get at least one guy in the third round with what's it, three? third round picks you got it i think you can get at least one guy there that will probably be a plug and play like solid starter which i figure is a solid upgrade at this point one thing that's crucial to remember for you know everybody out there that doesn't realize this and and we've talked a little bit about it but we haven't talked a ton about it on our show that the texans do have two second round picks next year and so they they can also package one of those second round picks with one of the third rounders that they've got to move up into the second round if they have to. I don't know about outside as much. This just seems like a much weaker outside offensive lineman at the tackle position, but there will still be some guys that are probably there in the second that you could package up and go get someone that could be at least at the very least a solid starter on the outside. And even still keeping one of those third rounders, you could probably kill two birds I mean, right there, get the off, get the outside guy if you move up into the second and get a third, uh, an interior guy in the third. The most glaring need right now is tackle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still not too trusting of uh, either Chantrell Henderson or um, possibly Julian Davenport playing on the left side. And I don't even know how, what Derek Newton's condition is when he comes back. So uh, we we still need to look for a tackle, whether it's in the draft or, or free agency. It's just a the pickings are slim out there in free agency, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the premium position that goes first whenever things open up that, that day. So yeah, it, it'll be, 
we'll have to see what happens there, but um, hopefully they can trade up in. And then, you know, there's talk about, you know, uh, with with uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, being available, you know, as a quarterback. Maybe we can trade up to get him to, for him to be the quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. You know, we may be stocking up those picks to, to trade up into the if, – if he – I don't think we should trade up to get him, but if he falls just low enough, maybe we can trade just enough to get him. But uh, that, that's an interesting uh, talk that we had uh, earlier this week as well. Cause the, the Texans worked him out and everything. That was interesting to me. Yeah. I was curious is if, if that was as if they were looking in case he went in the division, which would make me naturally assume Jacksonville. But because um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm unless some for some reason the Colts just decided, you know what, we can't trust Luck Shoulder. We we just need to go ahead and find someone to you know be the future there in case he can never come back and be the same. But <laughs> I, I naturally saw the jokes of, well, I guess the Texans could use a receiver other than Deshaun, uh, no DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. um, with people alluding to the idea of Lamar being a receiver, which I firmly disagree with. But um, I did find that to be really curious, and I do wonder if if he fell, if that could end up being their plan, because that'd be a hell of a steal if he fell into the third round. It really would be. Which I don't think is going to happen. Somebody's going to get him early. I hope so. I it hope he goes first round. It wouldn't surprise me if the Texans made a draft day trade to go up for a guy whose stock is falling, but I think is going to be a really good football player in Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma. Uh, he didn't ah. test. He didn't test well, but the film doesn't lie. And that's a guy that if he falls, if he's there at 61 for the Jags, I pull the trigger right away and take him. And he sits a year behind Parnell, or maybe he even starts at right guard and then bumps out to tackle uh once massive parnell's right cut guard. but massive it, right guard <laughs> i mean the jags no guy on the o-line is shorter than six six so i mean yeah, they they right. have a type and he he i mean obviously he's like six eight six nine but uh he fits that big mauler type that the jags are looking for i want to ask you guys about the titans but first let me just remind the everybody that's just listening to a, this for the first time if you're new to the lockdown network enjoying lockdown texans lockdown jaguars do us a favor, tell your friends, and let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. I mean, just about anywhere you can uh, find a podcast, you will find us. So lots of ways for you to put us on your phone and help you through that long NFL offseason. All right, guys, I want to ask you about the, the Tennessee Titans and where you think they are right now because I felt like it was a little bit of a fake team last year. I'm not, I'm not so sure that the record that they had last year was as good as they were. Uh, they, they picked up some wins that maybe they're not going to get this season. And, and, you know, they got a new coach now, too. Where do you think the Titans fit into the, the, the picture right now? Where would you put Jaguars, Texans, Titans? I'm guessing we're all, we've all got Colts at, at the bottom. You see, we talked about this before that I really liked Mike Vrabel. I thought it was really, um, I guess the best way to say it is weird that he couldn't get anyone to fill his immediate you know, assistant jobs like right away, like a co-offensive coordinator out of Ohio State wouldn't come on with him. So I made it, it just made me wonder, like, is this a Vrabel thing or is this a Titans thing? Either way, I don't think that's too great of a sign. I think they overpaid Butler. I'm not a huge, I, I think Butler's a good corner, but I think it's, you know, they're trying to build Patriots South right there. And I don't know how, I, I like the Lewis signing more than I like the Butler signing. I do think they kind of lucked into, a couple of wins last year, and I don't think they match that this year. 
as long as Watson's back, I see no way that you guys can't beat the Titans because that defense, I still think, will end up not being that great, even with Butler and House, unless they do some massive growth in the draft. But even then, it'll take some those guys some time to catch on. I'm so as long as as long as Watson's back and healthy, I, I mean, I think it's Jags Texans up at the top. Um, then the, then the Titans, and then you go down a couple of tiers and then you have the Colts. Yeah. So, I mean, we saw, we saw what the Texans could do to the Titans when both of them were healthy. I mean, the Texans almost dropped 60 on the Titans, which that was, that was phenomenal to watch. That was, please just keep doing it. That was great television. <laughs> I tell you what, if you guys, One of my do favorite games of the season. if you guys do get Mercedes Lewis, I want him to flourish against the Titans and the Titans only. So if, Lewis has eight <laughs> touchdowns. I want them all to be against Tennessee, and then we all can enjoy. You guys haven't heard anything about like Mercedes Lewis, uh, Antonio Gates. There's a couple of you know decent veteran tight ends that are out there, and you just don't see a lot about them right now. It's kind of weird. Uh, there's another guy out there I was going to ask you about it, and we talked a little bit about this guy. I'm wondering because we're still looking. Uh, tight end is should be number one, uh, as, along with backup quarterback that's left on the Texans free agent list. And uh, another guy that I mentioned, and I don't know what you guys think, just because he's in the state of Florida, I'll ask you about him, uh, Julius Thomas. Uh, what, what, what is your thought on, on Julius Thomas and if he's got anything? Because, uh, you know, he's had all, all the injuries the last three years, and, and you guys saw him up close for a couple of years. I held out hope for Thomas when he went to Miami. And um, if this whole culture change thing is legit in Miami, which it seems to be, and Thomas was one of the first people out the door – I think that's pretty telling that he's still just like what he was in Jacksonville and that he came off as very lazy here. So if you guys are trying to build, you know, um, well, you've already got the culture with Bill O'Brien. You know, he's not a BSer. He's not going to take any BS from anyone. He, You've got a young, growing offense. And I don't think if a guy's gone from not only Jacksonville who tried to change their culture, but now Miami who tried to change their culture. And the guy's known as being kind of lazy despite having some natural talent. I don't know if I'd want to fly on that as much as I would a solid veteran like Lewis and then drafting a guy where you can. Cause like interior offensive line, I think the tight end class is also relatively deep. There's some talent throughout that you can find some solid blockers, some solid receivers, I don't think there's really a true jack of all trades tight end out there other than maybe Godert, but um, you could still find a value guy to where you sign someone like a Mercedes Lewis to a cheap deal and draft a young guy and build a really solid, like two tight end punch right there. They need two because they, they, <laughs> they've got, two, they've got two guys, one of them an undrafted free agent in Steven Anderson. And, and he's been very, inconsistent uh the last couple of years he he had a, a good game but a lot of his games uh, just weren't anything to speak of and then ryan griffin who's got the same concussion issues nearly as cj fedora what's not quite as bad uh didn't have to retire but uh you never know where he's at right now he's had a he had a couple of concussions this past year so they they're gonna have to get a couple of guys i mean it's a it's like zach said it's a really good draft if you want to find a tight end which i think hurts these guys like mercedes lewis to where in years past where tight ends aren't nearly as uh you know bountiful uh lewis kind of they a bad year for him to hit the market with all these tight ends coming out of the draft that was the first of our two-part conversation we had with locked on jaguars host zach goodall and chris thornton listen to part two in tomorrow's show before we wrap it up 
Just want to remind everybody that Brian's got it all covered in Houston sports on houseofhouston.com, a fan site affiliate. Subscribe to my Houston Sports Talk podcast to hear me and my co-host RG Seal talk about an Astros preview this week. We're going to talk all Houston sports all the time over there. Rockets as well. As always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.